Greetings, welcome, and good day. You are now tuned into the first episode of the Season Fed Podcast. I'm so happy that you can make it to the inaugural chapter of this show. As you may have realized by now, this is a show dedicated to the experience of the Black Lady Veteran. I am a two-time veteran. I served in the United States Air Force for four years. I served in the United States Coast Guard for nine. And I had the pleasure of serving as a Black woman both of those times. For those familiar with the uniforms of those two branches, it just looks like I found an outfit I like and stuck with it. Now, it probably won't surprise you to learn that Black Lady service members have a very unique experience when it comes to navigating the waters of military life. Somehow things that are so trivial, so run-of-the-mill, such non-issues with other demographics suddenly become career-threatening situations with us. And that's exactly what this show is about. Our unique experience. Our experience is so different that sometimes it leads to a policy change. And that's what happened with our first guest. That's why I've lovingly titled this episode, Girl, Get You Some Business. Hey, friend. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> Good. You look great. I love your hair. You, you look happy and moisturized and hydrated. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to follow you. You <laughs> You're doing wonderfully, phenomenally. All right. So, what is your connection to the service? I am in the Coast Guard, active duty. Whoa, whoa. Yep. How long have you been in, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, Six years active duty, uh, two and a half reserve, currently active duty. Yep. Would you say you uh, grew up around a lot of veterans? Uh, Do you come from a family of us? Like, how did you get exposed to uh, to military life, to where you got interested in? So, yeah, I grew up in Norfolk. So this whole city is nothing but military. <laughs> We're the biggest naval base in the world. So I've been doing some kind of military program since middle school. That's the heavy military influence. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. So Jay Rossi? Uh, sea cadets and then JROTC. Yeah. A lifetime of service. <laughs> uh, so how do you feel about your time in uniform? Um, my time in uniform, uh, even with all the, you know, the military background as a kid, it's still been pretty rough. Active duty, so it's been it's been rough. It's been rough. Does any particular time period stand out to you? Definitely my my time at base Portsmouth sticks out. That was a, a rough time for me with. Leadership. I started off with like a really, really, really nice uh, master chief, and then the master chief switched out, and I was up for a rude awakening. Oh wow! <laughs> so. a, a switch in leadership led to a, a switch in treatment. Yes. All right. So, so the treatment did not improve with the uh, new leadership. It got no, worse. it definitely. It was like night, and it was like day, and then night. Like the lights got cut off. <laughs> So the first master chief that I had, she was um she was she was actually an African American woman. She was very sweet. Um, she went through everybody's uh, cubicle and asked like how they were doing, and like she knew about our kids, everything that we had going on. Just really sweet. And then the next master chief that I got was very old school in how she um, thought leadership should be. So your new master chief was she someone that looked like you? She was a female. That's about it. Okay, so not someone that looked like you. No, not at all. No, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think your experience could have been improved during that time and in the military as a whole? I think if I, at that time I had somebody like a, a mentor, yeah, somebody that would actively mentor and engage me, but that came later on mm-hmm. after, after I, I went through my own 
struggle. <laughs> That's when help, you know, started to come out of the out of when the you forest. It. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, what's your name? Okay. <laughs> so it's safe to say that in the beginning of your career, uh, when you needed guidance, when you needed mentorship, it wasn't available. You had to. Uh, did you have? You had to seek it out. Yeah, pretty much. I had to fall first. And I didn't really have to seek it out. It was like I fell and then word got around and... <laughs> the rescue team came in. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly uh, the, the village appears. Yeah. But it, look, at least they showed up. <laughs> or I wouldn't be here. So. That's what's up. Tell me about a time you experienced something, either good or bad, and it was because of your race and gender. So definitely the hair. The hair was... was uh, well, as a reservist, you know, I would like look at the the military and think like, okay, I'm literally for, for one weekend out, out of the month, I literally cannot get this hairstyle or do this with my hair or even get a nose piercing or just do things just because <laughs> this one weekend a month, I got to have my hair a certain way. So that was a thing, but it was like, okay, I'm in the military. That's, you know, that's what it is, yeah. whatever. I accepted it. But then once I went active duty, me being natural, my hair was always on my mind. My hair was always on my mind anyways, even if I had my hair straight, uh, because you got to pay, you got to get it done, you got to maintain it, you want to look neat, whatever. But then once I went natural, it just got more challenging trying to trying to be natural and be in uniform correctly, like you, you yeah. know. So yeah, so those challenges uh, plagued me for a little bit, for a while, until pretty much until I left that unit and I had to leave that unit through a civil rights complaint. So you filed an EEO claim, is that something? I did. Okay. And the EEO claim led to you being moved to another unit. Yes. Yep. Okay. How quickly did they move with that one? They they have like a certain time frame that they can take, uh, you know, as long as as the the legal time frame. Um so they moved me out within regulations probably like a week, maybe not even. Like it it was pretty fast, but me going ahead and putting in that civil rights complaint was really hard to do because I was just so worried of like my leadership coming back on me, word getting around. Because even though they say like they're not supposed to, like they find other ways yes. <laughs> to get to you. Retaliation. Yeah. You're afraid of retaliation. And it was like hell on earth. Like I was in therapy, I was in medical all the time. Like my medical record is thick because of that time I spent over there wow. at that unit. Um, the only reason why I put in the civil rights complaint is because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in this office with my leadership and it's a week after the service-wide exam. Uh, mind you, like, our, our evals are supposed to be done in March. Yes. It was in May and it was a week after I had took the service-wide exam, had taken off um, to study for the service-wide exam mm -hmm. that they finally did my evals and they told me that I was not recommended for wow. advancement. After you'd already taken the service. Yeah, wide. and I scored like an 80 something, I found out later, but I wasn't even on the advancement list. Wow. Um, which put me behind. But the conversation in there, um, there was this senior chief that was sitting outside the door and he heard the conversation with my leadership and he said the way it sounded, he felt like I needed to put in civil rights uh, case, like I needed to do something, or, you know, it was just only going to get worse and they were going to have fun with me. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so. I put it in and he was right, like I got out of it, but it was it was very stressful, like the whole process. You know, I would talk to, cause it was a lot that went, went with it and we can touch on it later, mm -hmm. but like it was a lot that went into me putting that in and the harassment. 
you know, that preceded that. I don't know. It was, it was a lot. But that civil rights case got me out of the situation. I mean, they still dirtied my record. Of but course. luckily I had a really good captain and he was like, <laughs> he took care of me and he took care of her as well. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> you filed an EO claim. You got civil rights involved. Because somebody else overheard your conversation. Somebody else, like, cued in on the situation and was able to advise from there. So before that person cued in, before that person overheard your situation, would you have known to file an EO claim? I thought about it, but I was not going to do it. Like, I, it was a little murky, and mm-hmm. I was already in a lot already. I didn't want to make it more murky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't understand that, oh, if I just do this, you know, the command is going to have to fix it. Uh, some type of way like make me shut up pretty much so they're gonna try to give you what they can like you literally can ask for what you want and my biggest thing was take me out of this unit (laughs) like get me out of here because it's hell and they did that they also removed a negative page seven out of my record that the that command or that master chief had put in there so like he, he he took me out I got my negative page seven removed I think it was unfounded though so you filed a claim and the claim was unfounded or worse? Okay, that's incredibly unfortunate. The fortunate part is the action got taken care of. Yeah. Like you, like you actively got taken out of the situation. So you got taken out of the situation, but this person doesn't have anything reflecting on their record as to why. Oh, I wouldn't say that. They, you know, oh. like I said, I had a pretty good captain. He reassured me that something was going to be done. Go captain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So... The next question is actually, uh, when you complain to your chain of command, do you feel like you are heard? Outside of this situation, like, there may be other situations where... Uh, You just have to be careful about, like, what you bring up. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I'm at a good unit right now where my chief, she she listens. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a much smaller uh, department, um, and she listens and tries to... But you definitely have to be careful because, like, you pretty much, like, if you complain or you say something that's uh, against what what your leadership believes or um, doesn't bring great credit or looks well on your leadership, it can backfire. Like, there's a way of expressing it without hurting yourself. Playing politics. Yeah, politics. (laughs) Yep, that's the thing. And and there's a lot of it. Yeah. So far in your... In your illustrious Coast Guard career. (laughs) Have you made friends with any other black lady service members? Okay, yeah. Like, you know, there's... But not... So, like, when I think of a friend, I think of somebody maybe that I'm talking to regularly. Mm -hmm. I've made connections, so to speak. Um, But what I found being in units where there's other black females... Mm -hmm. They're kind of like to themselves, like, especially if you're somebody like me who like, not like me, but like, especially if you're somebody who like wants to talk about things or bring things, issues to the forefront or. We're all scared. Yeah. It's like everybody's trying to protect their career. Right. Um, right. And even myself, like I got to think about things, but like uh, a lot of black females that I meet in the Coast Guard that's that are higher up especially but um they're they're strategic they're polit- political queens mm-hmm. um 
but they're protecting themselves, their families, their careers. So it sounds like we're so busy protecting our careers and our image that we don't make room for friendship. We don't make room for uh, relationships. Right. Would you say that that was something that's exclusive to us? Because you see your white office mates chatting it up, kicking it with each other. They'll mm-hmm. they'll go to beach day. They'll they'll go out and have fun with each other. So do you feel like that's a problem? exclusive to us or the situation exclusive to us i don't know like (laughs) i i think maybe yeah because like i've never noticed that or paid that close attention to what my white counterparts do but um like i don't have a lot of experiences going out with black females Mm -hmm. um that i've met in the coast guard and you know doing stuff with them for one there's not a lot of us like i don't know one black female (laughs) Coast Guardsmen in my building right now. I mean, there's there's not there's not a lot of us walking around. I don't know when we do see each other. It's not like we're like, oh hey, I'm I'm black woman, you black girl. Let's let's hang out. <laughs> we don't do that. We just like oh look, keep it moving. Like so yeah, I haven't been able to connect with any my whole time really being here, going out you know locally doing stuff with people. This this it just hasn't been a thing. But yeah. Hey, I hope you make friends in the future. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah, talk to a black lady. I mean, I have a lot of friends in the Coast Guard, but they're not black females. There's just not that many of us. And the ones that we do meet, by the time you connect with them, they're gone. And, you know, Facts. And it's, it's, it's like it's, we're very few. But I have, I have a lot of black brothers, I could say, you know, like... We're really tight. We're really close. Right on. Um, right on. But there's there's probably more black males than there are black females. I would think that, that can be said um, with any of the branches, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I look around, I can I can spot a black a black dude, but I can't spot a black female. I can I can think of of two right now in, in my building, black black males, three. Um, but I can't think of one in my building. So. Wow. <laughs> we are the few. Yeah, for real. Um. Can you tell me a war story? Can you tell me a story where you were tested and you came out on top? A time where you won a battle? Um, yeah, so going back to um, that challenging unit with the challenging Master Chief, you know, the hair thing was, was an issue. There hold was... on, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. This hair thing, this this unit, this was pretty early in your career. Like, yeah. this was towards the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, so you were a very young... Uh, impressionable Coast Guardsman going through this. Yep. Okay, continue please. So yeah, so um, there was actually at that uh, specific unit, there were uh, black females there. There was uh, at least two two more black females in that office and we all had our share of like uh, just comments about our hair. Um, I, there was one girl um, she had gotten braids and the first day she came, she had got all these compliments from everybody about how beautiful her braids were. Um, how, you know, they're asking questions like how long did it take, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then, can I the, touch it? No. Yeah. <laughs> oh and then, God. so, but the master chief wasn't a problem at that time. Cause I don't even, I don't even think, no, she was there, but it was the senior chief. It was a, a senior chief there. It was, she was infamous senior chief, like this senior chief. Everybody, every, if you were a black female and you were working at the time she was working there, uh, you probably knew of her talking about your hair. Like, you did not want to be in her presence. This is um, chief. She, did, she did was she, known. Did she look like us? She was not African-American. Um, if I say what she was, she wasn't white either, though. 
Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, but her hair texture was definitely different um, than, than, than mine and ours. But yeah, so the senior chief walks past, looks at her hair, and then goes to the, her supervisor and tells her supervisor that she pretty much needs to remove her braids before she comes back to work the next day. Girl. So this girl spent all this money on her hair. No, indeed. And she left. She got her braids taken out. But yeah, that that was scary because I'm like, dang, like you really got to be on your measurements, you know. And if if you're white, you don't have to think about that unless you want to think about that. Like you don't have to think about the size of your braids. You can just go to work. Now, if you want to think about the size of your braids, you can go ahead and get some braids installed. But that's by choice, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. For our hair, it's just easier if they want us to conform and look like everybody else for us to go ahead and get braids. Otherwise, like what I had to deal with was when I, I used to wear my hair like really short, like fades and stuff. Mm-hmm. I go on maternity leave. I come back and I'm growing my hair out. You know, it's raising eyebrows. They're like... Oh, uh, uh, my name was different at the time, but they were like, uh, hey, can you go ahead and, um, uh, or what are you going to do with your hair? Are you going to braid it or uh, straighten it out? I know you guys can do certain things with wow. your hair. And that was a E6 that asked me that, but he was asking me because he said he was looking out for me because some officers at All Hands were talking about my hair and how thick it was. And they were just wondering what I was going to do. My hair was within regs. It, it was getting close to the, the limits, but it was within regs. But it was my choice to go ahead and grow my hair out. Before I came back to work, uh, there was another girl who cut her hair just like mine. Like we, she had a fade, like a short, really short haircut. Mm-hmm. But she was white and Hispanic. But she asked me before going back to work, what what was I gonna do with my hair? And I'm like, like bitch, what you, what you gonna do with your hair? <laughs> Why are you asking about mine? Like we did the same thing. But, you know, I knew what she was referring to. Like, my hair grows out. Hers lays down. It falls. So I got to be, you know, pretty much, you know, real careful about how my hair looks wearing that uniform. So it was just something I had to think about. Uh, But when that uh, E6 came by and said that officers were talking about my hair, I went ahead to, like, the barbershop on base and let whoever was in the barbershop cut it because I'm like, I'm not about to deal with. Yeah. people commenting on something like this like I'm here trying to do my job I just got back it's only been one week since I've been back and I'm having issues already so Christ. yeah I got my hair cut uh this other girl who was having issues with the same senior chief she comes she calls me she asked me for my number and I didn't know why she was like I want to talk to you about something I was like all right cool Christ. and then so she calls me and I'm picking up my kids from from daycare and she's on her way to go pick hers up and she was like hey um, why'd you cut your hair? Like, she was like, are, were you, was, did somebody say something to you? And I was like, yeah. And then she was like, oh, okay, probably the same senior chief that said something to me. She was like, well, they need to learn about our hair, like, you know, whatever. Just saying, like, you know, it may be, like, more of an informational thing. So, you know, I told her we should probably do, like, a campaign, like, just start telling people about our hair because obviously they don't know about our hair texture and why is, you know, the stress that they put on us as African-American females. So, yeah, so then we started campaigning around base, uh, just talking to different people. We held a focus group to talk about the hair policies and our struggles. We did some surveys and sent those out to as many people as we could to get people's feedback, African-Americans' feedback and everybody else's feedback as well because we wanted to show that African-Americans have stress about something as simple as hair where other people don't but what we found was you know white women had some 
you know, a little bit of something too, but black females had it, had it pretty bad. The worst. Um, yeah. So, uh, like we're the only ones hitting up the barbershop in the middle of the day because somebody right. made a slight <laughs> comment yeah, during our career. Exactly. And you know, like, so with that Epic, Epic, like she was involved with, with Epic and then, um, which is a networking type of group that two, two, uh, African-American men came up with. What does Epic stand for? Enlisted professionals and connections. So the, the sole purpose of Epic is to create a network of people um, and also to help with recruitment and retention of women and minorities. Mm. So I didn't know anything about Epic. Um, like I said, it took me like going through some stuff for them to like show up. And when they showed up, it was like, okay, you know who? Okay, cool. They're like, oh yeah, well, we're going to put you in contact with such and such at headquarters so you can do change policy. Like, nice. you know, so then we started working with headquarters. Headquarters was, you know, talking to us on the phone. They're like, okay, well, this these are our issues that we're having at the uniform board. Can y'all give us some memos? We need memos. So I drafted up a few memos. And I sent it to the our representative at headquarters for the uniform board, and she, you know, she changed it. So now, you know, we we can wear ponytails. We got we can wear bigger afros, thicker buns. Amen. Um, and they're a little bit more nicer about you know the language that they use when they're talking about our hair. So, but that was a win for me because um I was going through some stuff with that with that uh unit. But and from you were very young and rank in the, the situation as well. Yeah. Because also you are still very young and rank. It feels like a lot of undue stress. Yeah. It feels like you went through a lot just to prove that you're worthy to exist in this space. Yeah. And that's not something anybody else has had to do. No one else has to fight for their right to just let their hair grow the way, the way it naturally does. Yeah. You made it easier for a lot of young black women uh, under you coming through. Yeah. That was a win. <laughs> Definitely. It was a it was a win for black women in the Coast Guard. You had some inspiration for that uh, policy too, right? Uh, like, did you look at other branches and see what they were doing? Yes, it was a lot to to all of that that happened. Like, we did have to do research and see what the other branches currently were doing, and then try to use that to persuade or as an argument. Like, okay, if the other branches are doing that, why haven't we, right. <laughs> we done it yet? Right. Like, what's what's taking so long? So yeah. We definitely had research. We had PowerPoints. We had explanations wow. about <laughs> about the different types of hair textures, like the A B, you know, the letters. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot that went went with it. Um, yeah. After that, though, it was like, and what I didn't know was that through making all that noise, which I'm not a disrespectful person. Of course. I'm not even outspoken. Like I'm. I'm pretty like my energy is pretty quiet um I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cool i'm a good person <laughs> you don't have to campaign for how nice you are um i can hear the but softness I... in your voice i had to literally push this microphone into your face <laughs> to get yeah. any sound out of you that's how soft you are yeah yes so but <laughs> after that no matter what i did in this in this new command that i was in i looked like a rebel or like somebody who just <laughs> went against authority or I, I just had the spotlight on me and I did, I did I wasn't aware like it was I was under a microscope nice. and you know my punishments got a little got hard harder because of you know that stuff it was like I couldn't couldn't escape it and I had like a lot of that's where the mental health issues started rolling in 
Because, yeah, I was under a microscope and I had no idea. I just, I, didn't, I had no idea what was going on. During the hair situation. This was during, this. I mean, it's all encompassing. So after yeah. we routed the policy, the, the memos, a month later, I got written up. Wow. <laughs> because, wow. Because of me wearing a headband. Um, mind you, that day I was taking a photo to route up to the uniform board. The senior chief that everybody talked about had approached me while I still had it on. Because after I took the photos, I wore it for the rest of the day. And that was my fault. I messed up. But <laughs> She was waiting. She was waiting yeah. to cut. She wanted to see. <laughs> she was like waiting on you to slip up a little. By the way, this senior chief is trash and I hate her. <laughs> but yeah, this senior chief. Um, the, the person being interviewed uh, is not going to say this, but I will. Fuck that bitch, man. Like, that bitch was trash. She was a racist piece of shit and I don't like her. Um... I'm not editing this out either. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so this this senior chief, she um, yeah, she, I walked past her her office, and I went and sat back down. She came and approached me, and pretty much, you know, questioned me about what I was doing, like with with the headband on. You know, I told her what it was for and everything, and she seemed, you know, okay with my answer. I took it off, you know, my bad, whatever. She went back to her. To her office and then like three weeks to maybe a month later i'm sitting down in an office with my master chief and my chief because that senior chief had told her a story <laughs> and twisted my words she told her a fucking lie okay, yeah <laughs> and i sounded like a disrespectful person like very disrespectful um the way she wrote it out in the in the the negative page seven that would go on my record for three years. Wow. Um, <laughs> mind you, when the when the senior chief approached me, I had already my whole body got hot, like everything. So <laughs> I'm like already defensive. I'm like, oh, this is my career. You know, I got two kids, and <laughs> she's like, oh, I didn't did all this stuff. Now this is where everything falls. <laughs> and, Your whole and, but, <laughs> life, life and livelihood is depending upon this woman. Yeah. <laughs> Just not leaving you the fuck alone. Yeah, and like you know. You know, I actually had told the lady that I was working with from headquarters what, you know, kind of what happened. And she was like, oh, don't worry about it. We're about to change that anyways. And I was like, okay. But but yeah, but I thought it was it because the senior chief walked away. She said, okay. She seemed fine. But, you know, like later on, I'm that sitting. Bitch was plotting. Yeah. And planning. She got back at me. Like, you know, the lady, you know, it was hard even getting her into our focus groups and our, our little sit downs that we were having. We would send her an invite and she either wouldn't respond or the one time she did come, she was on her phone the whole time. Bitch. Like right in our face. Like she was sitting right in front of us and she just, you know, and she even said, she made a comment during the the session and she was just like, um, are we done? Can we go now? Like, I so she, I hate her. She was, you know, we were like kind of directly addressing her indirectly um, because we wanted to inform her and maybe change, you know, how she did things. But it didn't because she's still in power. She's a senior chief. That's you now. And I was... Oh, uh, and she got a promotion. <laughs> I was an E4. Lovely. It <laughs> so, is nice to know that the Coast Guard is still promoting garbage. <laughs> yeah. So I was biting off more than I could chew at the time. And I was associating myself with another girl who, you know, they didn't really like too much. So yeah, they definitely wrote me up. And it stayed in my record for a little bit until that civil rights case came about. Nice. And then it got pulled out. Oh my God. But it was, uh, it was rough. And, you know, even after that, it still didn't stop. Like, I was in the hallway one day, and my captain, who had been, who had came to, like, our focus groups and meetings uh, prior to 
that negative page seven. And he asked me, you know, he saw me in the hallway looking down because I was, I was full of depression, anxiety. I was on antidepressants, pills, staying late at work because I just felt like I was walking on eggshells. So I was just trying to protect myself any way I, I could, but yeah. it, it just wasn't working. You know, I told him that I wasn't enjoying myself at work and I wasn't <laughs> happy there. He didn't like that because, you know, he didn't like that. So he did talk to the master chief and... What I found out later was the master chief was trying to defend her decision to give me that negative page seven. This was the new master chief. Yeah, this is the this okay. is the new one, the new one that gave me the negative. Oh page wow! Seven. So you had a, a trash ass senior chief and a trash ass master chief. This, the senior chief wasn't even in my command. She wasn't even. This my, bitch. Yeah, she, she went out of her fucking way. Yeah. To, <laughs> to not mind her fucking business, she went. She's not even in your fucking. Ch- no, <laughs> she's not in my command. <laughs> this bitch. Yeah, so it was it was pretty bad. The captain found out about it, talked to the master chief. The master chief felt like she had to defend herself. And so that's why I felt like I was walking on eggshells. The hair stuff still kept happening, though. You know, I'm sitting at work, and this civilian comes up to me and, was, and is like, hey, uh, just to let you know, they're talking about your hair. Just make sure it's within regs, you know. She was like, the, the senior chief and the master chief are talking about it, and they're saying, why haven't the why chief... Why are they having so much fucking conversation about your guy? Don't yeah. we have better shit? To... <laughs> and Literally, I'm like... in E7 and in E8, I'm sorry, E8 and E9, yes. the only thing they can discuss is the hair follicles of a fucking E4? <laughs> Bitch, get a life. Both of you hoes. <laughs> Y'all trash. Yeah, so that, you know... They were talking about it, and they they wanted my chief to move in. So I thought, okay, let me go ahead and talk to my my E6, which was advised to me by these new mentors that I picked up through Epic. So I went and I talked to my E6, and I was like, hey, I just want to make sure my hair is within regs. So yeah, I I you know I, I talked to my E6, and she said that. Well, she didn't like that I had went to her and asked her to make sure that my hair was in regs. She thought it was silly, and Bitch. you know, <laughs> um, I she's, think it's silly that an E eight and an E nine cannot find better uh, conversation pieces other than the hair of an E four. <laughs> yeah, so it actually got pinned against me later on in my evals. They ranked me low. I think I got a three. Well, hold um, on. Anything but all right. Uh, evaluations are taken or uh, done every six months for all the ranks. And the, the highest you can go is a seven, the lowest you can go is a one. But anything below a four requires an explanation. They knew they had to explain why they were mark, marking you below a four, and they still did it. That I, I definitely got some threes during that period. What the fuck? <laughs> but it might not have been just, it might not have been grooming, so to speak. It could have been, I know one was like responsibility, and that was because during the 3307 session, and during, yeah, during the 3307 session, when they were sitting down talking to me, they were trying to tell me that I said certain things that I didn't say, and I, I didn't want to agree to it, and I didn't want to sign the 3307 because I thought the way they wrote it just portrayed me in a way that that wasn't me. That's not something that you can be marked down. Not signing a 3307, that's just exercising your right to not, you don't have to sign a 3307. These people so. are garbage. <laughs> So yeah, and that was retaliation. Yeah, it was the same couple people. So, so yeah, that got marked. That that was brought up during my counseling session. That I asked my E six to uh, look at my hair for me and make sure I was good. When I told her that, you know, I had heard from a peer that 
the master chief and senior chief were talking about my hair again, um, she wanted to know where, like, the source. And I felt like by me giving the source, that's just giving them somebody else to target. Plus, I don't, you know, like, that person was looking out for me, so why am I going to throw that person underneath right, the bus? Right. Like, no, I'm not going to give you the source, even though I wanted to protect myself as much as I could. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I knew that I was, it, it was, it was going to be shit no, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> so I could, I could give this person away, which I didn't want to. But even if I did, I was still going to be a target or I could right. not and at least protect that person. And, you know, I'm still going to be a target. So, but yeah, it was, it was dark days and I still had like a couple more years left there. <laughs> so after that that's when the the counseling session happened and civil rights case and then i got moved out but after that happened like i was like a shook puppy like going to of all course. my units um <laughs> once again very young in the coast guard very young in rank and you had to fight for your right to exist yeah. as a black woman yeah so it was it was um it was definitely rough the win in this situation sounds like the policy change the one in the situation was definitely the policy change. And then also place the number one on a service-wide exam. Whoa, whoa. Come on. <laughs> like, I got so many My uh, girl kudos. be studying, yo. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Number one with the bullet. I love it. Yep. <laughs> Recruitment and retention is down across all branches and with all demographics. Uh, black women are not excluded from that. This was true even before the pandemic hit. Why do you think black women are disinterested in joining the military? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Is it because we want, we don't want E8s and E9s discussing our hair? I mean, for sure. Like, I'm sure that crosses people's mind. Like, even <laughs> I, I mentored a girl who was coming into the Coast Guard off the street. And I was going to say off the street. Well, not off the street. She was meaning, a civilian? Yeah, she, so my bad. So I mentored a girl who was a civilian. She wasn't military yet. And most women, me included, the first thing I think is like, oh, how am I going to do my hair at boot camp? Mm. It's a stressful thing to think about. Even, you know, like I've been sent, like people have called me and asked, hey, can you talk to such and such? She's having issues. You know, can you just... Uh, you know, confirm with her what their current hair policy is and make sure that, you know, she's handling things right at her current unit because she's a recruit and she's having issues already. So the hair thing is definitely something at least that crosses your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you might think, oh, let me just cut my hair off so I don't have to deal with it. But you still have to deal with it because what's going to happen when your hair gets thick? You're going to have to either get braids or figure out some way to keep your hair within the bulk, the bulk, the bulk requirement. Right. So... Um, it's, it's always something that we have to think about. So I think that's, you know, that might run across their minds. And then just the current culture of today, mm-hmm. people don't really want to join the military. People are becoming more informed and woke. And that, that type of movement just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't go with military. However, mm-hmm. I think if you're going to join the military, I don't think I'm alone, but there's probably a few people, maybe, who agree with me that the Coast Guard is probably the best <laughs> branch to go into if you want to join the military. Okay. So I do I do think that. In spite of the stories that we just heard from you, you actually are onto something. Like it may not be easy in the Coast Guard, but other branches do have it worse. And that's 
saying a lot. Yeah. They're saying a lot. Yeah. Like we, we don't have it great, but it's, it can get worse. My goodness. Yeah. It's not supposed to be this bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the other branches, they do have bigger diversity. Like I remember I went to a joint service project, TDY, you know, Coast Guard walked in, all of us in blue suits, uh, <laughs> mostly men, white, we had yep, like, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. had one guy who might have been mixed. We had a, a white girl with blonde hair. And <laughs> so I stuck out anyway, all these tall white men. Then you see the army walk in, uh, even the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Army walk in, they got the little, you know, the little black girls with mm-hmm. the baby edges, like the studs. Um, <laughs> the little baby edges. Um, <laughs> Right, but they got like a swag. When you say baby edges, I just, I just want to dive into this a little bit. <laughs> they, basically, it's like, you know, they... They, they, they swooped it. They, they, they swooped got the, it. They, they got, got little swoops. bangs. Yeah. Okay, they laid their edges. They Their edges were laid. Go, go army, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it um, sounds very pretty. Yeah, very. <laughs> Even like the girl who was in charge of our whole joint operation, she was a black female. And... I, you know, I ran into her one day, but I didn't know her rank. She ended up being pretty high, and she was in charge of the whole thing. I saw her talking to everybody. I'm like, oh, but don't you love women? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like you're oh. just talking to a person, and then you find out, oh wow, you actually have a lot of rank. Yeah, and she and she told me she was like, oh, um, because I was telling her I need to shoot. She's like, oh yeah, I like your hair, and I was like, oh thank you, and I was like, I need a retwist though, and she was like, oh you want me to do it, and I was like, yeah. So what? she gave me her number. She offered to do a retwist for me. And this girl is like a 05 Come in on. the in the army, um, leading the whole joint operation. So I was like, okay. But you walk, the, you know, the different walks. Let me talk about the walks. The Coast Guard <laughs> walks in, we walk in, we do our thing, whatever. We sit down with the with the rest of the T not D, TSA but DHS. Okay. We sit down, we do our whatever. The other branches walk in, army walk in. They got like it's like a swag. <laughs> It's a they, little different. They fly and they know it. Yeah, it's it's the other branches walk in and they just they just look different. They look diverse. It looked like oh, like that looks like home. You know, it's yeah. like they they walk in and it just feels they, they that's home. Okay. So it's definitely a different. <laughs> I don't know. That was just my interpretation when I saw all of us together. I'm like, you know, this is cool. You know, I, you know, that was cool. But like they that that feels familiar over there. So they definitely have that advantage. It's more of them in there. But I feel like Coast Guard yes. needs to look like that. Like this is this is this is like a it's like gold. Like it's like a hidden treasure, I feel like. Okay. Uh, as far as military branches with the military benefits and everything that we get, like the other branches. Mm-hmm. As far as like day to day mission uh stress, I feel like this is better. Okay. Yeah, especially when you have a family. It's more catered to those people who have families and don't want to be away from their families for long periods of time because we are the coast because guard. we are the coast guard we exactly. are guarding the coast <laughs> so if you're gonna do it you, i feel like you might as well go coast guard right on working on my recruitment look here <laughs> <laughs> but no that's but that's true though i don't know are there any sisters in service that inspire you any black ladies in uh, uniform that inspire you they could be retired uh, active duty reserves whatever yeah i don't know there's a lot some of them i don't even know their names i just know them as Master chief or but i know cat merchant like yeah. it's kind of weird so i met her in person at captain judges 
change of command at the training center. Okay. So I drove up there for that and took one of my coworkers. I tried to encourage other epic people to come. I went up there and I met Captain Merchant in person and I cried when I saw her. And wow. <laughs> and, wow. and she was just like she didn't know what to say. <laughs> she was like oh. <laughs> she went to something else and she, she was like, oh hey. You know, but um but yeah, I really I really admire Captain Merchant. Um and then there's Lieutenant Kia Osley. Like she's she's amazing also. I learned a lot from her and she later became like a mentor um with my career, you know, navigating it. And I'm trying to think any other oh, there was a warrant officer here. Can't think of her name right now, but she recently retired. But all of these women, they're like very, <laughs> they're very good at what they do. They're very strategic, mm-hmm. well-spoken, poised women. Mm-hmm. And wait, have you met a black lady coast guardsman that was not well-spoken? Good. It looks like that's <laughs> good. Yeah, not. So, so we I mean, don't have to qualify. <laughs> Maybe I would say myself. Like that's one thing that I'm working I would not on. Say that. <laughs> Honestly, but I feel like as I become more political, more strategic and more well spoken, I'll be more of what a Coast Guard African American woman is in my eyes. Like when I see them, like they're really cream of the crop Coast Guardsmen. They're not they're not just the average Coast Guardsmen. Most of them, the ones that are in, they're not average. They're, there's no way for them to be average. Like, <laughs> you know, we're told very young, you know, if you're going to be, you got to be the best at whatever you do, pretty much. You got to work harder and all that stuff. And I wanted not to believe that. I wanted to believe that I could just go to work like my peers and be fine. And not fight for your hair. And not fight for anything. <laughs> just just go to work and do my job. But it's like, nope, you got to worry about this now. And... <laughs> And you and you better do it the right way because if you do it the you know if you messy with it or you're not right, using right. strategy when you're working these commands and different things you're gonna it's gonna hit you you know right. yeah and there was one there was a lieutenant command I don't I don't want to say her name I don't even want to say her rank but she was an officer and I remember I was going through all this stuff and I went because uh, my mom kind of knew somebody that knew her and was like yeah you need to go talk to her. So I went and I sat and I talked to this lady, this officer, and she told me, she asked me, she said, you know how I um, got to be where I'm at? And, <laughs> I, you know, it was, I felt like it was a rhetorical question, so I didn't say much, but, or I don't remember my response. But <laughs> what she said to me was, you know, you, you come to work, you do your job, you do your job well, and um, you mind your business. Don't, don't go out there trying to change the world you know, do all that. Just focus on, focus on you, your job, and you know, taking care of your family. Do that. So she pretty told much, you to keep your head down. Yes, pretty much. Did, she, did this lady tell you to shut up and dribble? Because it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. She just, she, you know, all that stuff I was doing with the hair stuff. She, she pretty much was like, "What are you doing? Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Go, go, do." And I like, I took that the first couple days. I was like. She got a point, but then, you know, once, once something actually happened, once policy did change and like, I got all the thank yous from people, I don't know, like just as I grew up in the service, I felt like I can do more than that. It's just, I got to do it a little bit more strategically. I got to take a little bit of what she said. Maybe I do need to, you know, perfect my craft. I think Mm -hmm. that's important, but also I can go through my career 
and help people as well. I don't have to keep my head down, but I got, if I'm going to say something or do something, I need to know what I'm talking about, how to talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, the right channels, mm-hmm. how to protect myself. And yeah, so that's, but yeah, that, that, oh, you know, talking to her, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But like when I look at it, like I said before, I, I wasn't close with a lot of black females. Mm-hmm. They, they when I when me and the girl the other girl tried to do the the hair stuff and ch- do the memos yeah like I asked the girl that was having issues with her braids and had to take it out the same same day because she, she did that man yeah that that O said that but when I asked that the other girl um she was a E she was a E five at the time uh E four E five but when I asked her because she I asked her because she signed something or come with us just supporting what we were doing because you know i witnessed what she went through she said no i'm trying to go over right now <laughs> i can't have anything messing up my package and wow. i was like you got a point but it kind of hurt my stomach because i'm just yeah. like this is what i have to do to kind of rank up so now like when people you know i told you i'm not going for officer i'm gonna i'm gonna be myself <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> do what, what i feel called to do and help people in my own way and that's that's how I have to stay. That's how I'm going to make it in, in the Coast Guard. I cannot just do my job and do it well. Mind you, I'm still scary <laughs> with, with my command. So, you know, but I'm learning politics. I'm learning how to talk to them and be mm-hmm. strategic, you know, yeah. so that way I can still survive and, you know, put food on the table for my family. Word. <laughs> Word. But, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's black women, like. Some of them, at least. You've met some good black women, and then you met that lady who was an okay black lady. <laughs> <laughs> she is amazing, but she's amazing because she did the things that she had to do to get to where she where she was. So, she she's amazing. Yes, yes, exactly. She is amazing because she's an officer, and for the longest, I thought. Being an officer was like the ultimate, like, oh, if you're an officer, you're an amazing person. You're, you've, you've made it. You're successful. Now I don't think that so much. Now I think like if you're an officer, like, yeah, I mean, it might've been hard getting there and you did some amazing things, but I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of officers nowadays are missing the personal aspect. And even the ones that I've met who like try to give off a personal, like a, personal touch to their leadership yeah it feels fake (laughs) (laughs) like i you know i've been asked how am i doing and i'll answer and they don't really have much to say back it's kind of like they just it's a formality yeah a formality thing like way to be polite yeah (laughs) we could have saved this though (laughs) yeah so it's like it's you know i don't know it's definitely a difference that i'm seeing not saying that's all o's or black o's but like there's a lot of politics, and the politics get even heavier once you make O. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you say that you are a better leader or will be a better leader than the people you grew under? I feel like you're not a great leader if the people under you are not better leaders than you are. Get it. So, like... Come on. <laughs> like, in my own leadership right now, like... This is me not even being political. Like, my chief is, like, she actually cares about, you know, about about her people. Yeah. Um, and she tries to make me 
a better yeoman, but to be honest, I don't want to be a yeoman. So <laughs> I'm only doing it and I'm doing the best that I can because I love her and I know she cares for me. So, um, and I don't want her to look bad. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, I feel like that she's doing her job. Like she's leading us to a, a common goal, you know, team. Yeah. She's, she's, she's leading. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing, doing the job. Right so, but yeah. And then like my mentors, like, you know, I have some really good mentors. Mm-hmm. Like one of them I talk to all the time and he's like a big brother. But like he, you know, he's honest up front about a lot of my challenges and things I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And he puts me in <laughs> in positions where I have to work on those and tweak those. And I feel like, you know, he told me, he was like, you, you know, pretty much that he was going to, he was going to mentor me and make, make me a better person. I feel like that's what he's been doing. And it's what's keeping me in the Coast Guard. So, you know, one of the things. So, (laughs) so yeah. It looks like you're finding uh, finding friendship in a couple of places. Yeah. I I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. You ranked up not too long ago. Not incredibly long ago. (laughs) Do you feel that the way you are treated has improved with your rank? Not really. (laughs) <laughs> I Be mean, honest. if it's a no, it's a no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, the way I'm treated, no. But I mean, I guess maybe I got some more responsibility. Um, <laughs> and but like, okay, I'll just answer your question. No. no, but I feel like for me, <laughs> like because of everything that I went through, um, how I treat people is different. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so like I will. You know, my, the one person that I have under me, I will never throw him under the bus. Come on. <laughs> so, so like, we, you know, we work really well together. You know, I've invited him over for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, he feels like a brother. And that's, that's kind of how I want, like, my military relationships to be. One, because, like, we move all over the place. You know, I haven't moved yet, but this guy came from he's from Colorado so he don't have no family here Mm -hmm. so I wanted to make it my business to make him feel like you know that we were brother and sister that he he got family here and then also you're an E4 you're you know you're at the bottom in our office you know quote-unquote with rank so like you know if if there's anything that I can do I'm gonna try to protect you you know in any way that I can Um, so yeah so I think it changed me and how I treat people you're you're becoming a part of somebody else's village. Yeah. Right on. Mm-hmm. You're you're somebody else's support system. Good for you. Can you tell me something you wish you had known before joining the military? I wish I had gotten a political major, or majored in politics, <laughs> or <Wow. laughs> I don't even wow. know if that would have helped because I don't <laughs> even know. But like the amount of politics that is involved with being in the service is ridiculous. Like it starts very very young in the service. Like you have to, you have to have tact and strategy, I believe, with staying in the service and being happy and successful. Yeah, you got to be good in politics. The art of dancing on eggshells. Yeah, <laughs> <Dancing> around eggshells. <laughs> Pretty much. Protect your ass. Yes. <laughs> CYA at all times. <laughs> Let's say you were just starting out in life, uh, and you were presented with. The opportunity to join the service for the first time today, mm-hmm. knowing what you know now, would you still join? Yeah. 
You would? I would. Hell yeah. Because what? You said hell yeah. Yeah, because okay. Did you hear this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> For one, the benefits, you know, are good, especially when you got a baby okay. or whatever. Like the benefits are good. And then the experiences, like I haven't been able to experience much, but I've heard of other people experiencing different things on cutters and seeing things. Mm-hmm. So that's cool too. And then also I just think like, you know, I went through a lot, but like every black woman, maybe you could maybe say every person has a story, but black women in general and black minorities in the military have a unique story and it's rough. Um, they, they had, they had at least one rough patch, but like it, it makes them stronger and tougher. And mm-hmm. uh, like, if you can survive this, then you're pretty much set up to survive anything in, you know, in the civilian world. Plus if I'm 18 looking to join, uh, the military, I think is good. Cause it sets you up. You, you know, you can take that time to figure out exactly what you want to do rather than jumping right into college and you don't know. Okay. Like, that's what I did. I just went into college, and I'm like, oh, I think I like foreign languages and other people's <laughs> cultures. I'm going to study international relations. What job I'm going to get with that, I don't know. And then, you know, then I end up studying history. I mean, I think it helps you discover yourself, discover your wolf, the wolf in you, like the <laughs> the go-getter. But, yeah, like, it, it sharpens you. So so are you are you in your wolf stage now, or are you just, like, in a big dog stage? Right uh, <laughs> not I'm not a wolf yet. Not not fully grown wolf. <laughs> nah, nah. I've even though I went through all that military training, nothing did it did not prepare me for all this. Like I did not. It, politics was not taught in in JROTC and CKS. No. no. <laughs> so, but you can march really good. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love marching. Do you remember me at boot camp? I was really good. March your ass. I love marching. It was frustrating seeing everybody else. Not knowing how to march at boot camp. I'm just uh, saying. She is talking about me. Uh, <laughs> we went through boot camp together, as she just said. And yeah. she is very good at marching. And in spite of my being prior service, <laughs> I didn't learn shit. That's Thank so. you for pointing that out, though. <laughs> you thought she was going to sit here and throw shade at me while I was there. Yeah, everybody's not good at marching. I'm sitting right here, girl. I know you're talking about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you would say that uh, your your good has outweighed the bad uh, since being in the military. Your experience as a as a whole experience. Yeah. No. No. Like I think I don't. It's been this is a rough story. Like military was was hard. It was hard for me. I guess mm-hmm. it's getting better. But like I was not about to reenlist. Like I was literally about to carry my ass out like a month ago. But <laughs> very recently, okay. yeah, and it was because like I, you know, I joined the Coast Guard as a reservist. Mm-hmm. They only gave me two options for a career. It was SK or Yeoman, okay. and so I went Yeoman because Yeoman sound cool. Like yo, man, you know, SK was like, what the hell? <laughs> 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 it was like scorekeeper. I, they she was like, that rhymes with a lot of stuff. I'm yeah. like, it rhymes with woman. It makes sense exactly. I, I can was put like, it in some bars. <laughs> so I was like, I'll do that, and then so. But, like, now that I'm in, like, I don't want to be a yeoman no more, you know. I want to go, oh, or I wanted to. But now, getting picked up for this recruiter job, it kind of just spoke to me with all the extracurricular stuff and volunteer work that I do outside of work. Mm-hmm. But if if I had to stay a yeoman, even because I was even thinking about going reserve officer just okay. to get out of the yeoman rate, you know, if I couldn't uh, become a recruiter. 
but they gave me the recruiter job, so now I'm good. We, we're, no we're friends. <laughs> so, you and the guard are back on good terms again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think once you find your place, then, you know, find your place in the Coast Guard, and then you can you can stick it out. But, it, yeah, it's been, it's been hard, and the military has a lot of control over you. It does. It's like, a full life experience. Yeah. Like, even though I, I got the, the dream job that I want, I got to leave my kids here. Because I'm taking them from their father and their family and everything they know here. Mm-hmm. So that's that's like the hardest part. But, you know, I got the green, the dream job now. Work, yeah. Work, work life balance. Yeah. It's, 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 it's always something. It can't always be 100%. <laughs> it's always something. Oh, you, you got oh, but you got to go on the boat and be away from your family for months at a time. Right. You know? Okay, great. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Money for my tears. I was going to say, you can try your tears with those dollar bills. (laughs) And there are bigger bills now. (laughs) Yeah, so there's always something. (laughs) If you had a daughter or a young, impressionable black girl Mm -hmm. that you cared about, that was in your life, and she was considering a life in the military, would you try to point her in a different direction? Mm, I would ask her, honestly, what job she wants and then try to move her into the branch with, that supports that. Or if she's interested in joining the Coast Guard mm-hmm. or in my recruiter role, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I would tell her to um, just come on, join the Coast Guard because, you know, she can do her four years and get out. And I still think it's a more comfier branch of service compared to the other ones as far as family life goes and everything. It's just different. The culture is, is a little different. So I would tell her to, to join, to go ahead and join the Coast Guard. But I would tell her to find find a network mm-hmm. or a mentor or somebody to connect with that's, you know, a few grades higher than her. Mm-hmm. So mentorship Whether, is important. Mentorship is, like, vital. Okay. Like, you need, because, like, you know, me as an E4, I, I, I learned a lot through Epic, through mentors that were provided to me through Epic. Mm-hmm. There were, it, was, it wasn't, like, anything... Uh, formal. It was kind of just like, oh, if you ever need anything from me, uh, come come see me. You know, yeah. I, I needed something. You know, like so I let you know I let them know what was going on. But yeah, like definitely having a mentor, somebody to like bounce ideas off of, like when you're planning on making your next move, is important because they kind of know stuff and <laughs> they got connections. Yeah. They can they can make a phone call. You know, it's nothing, you know, when they're that high up. So, yeah, those connections are important. Mentors are are vital for survival if you plan on making it a career. Especially when you find yourself in trouble. It's like, oh, you know. It, it would be beneficial to have those mentors in place before trouble hits. Yeah, it would but, be. But it's good that they pop up when trouble, like when you need them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they know you beforehand, they're more likely to go you know, to go up to bat for you because right they kind of know who you are a little bit and how you, how you work rather than just finding them when, when shit hit the fan. <laughs> Look, sometimes you don't know you need them until you, you, until you need them. <laughs> right, right. So, but yeah, I think my, my path has definitely been a lot smoother because of all the connects. Good. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear it. Yep. So... I hope it's a smooth sailing from here on out as well. Like, See no- after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. <laughs>
<laughs> I will edit some stuff out. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not editing the part where I called you senior chief a bitch ass, hoe ass, punk Oh, did I call her bitch ass? She's a bitch ass. Um, bitch ass, hoe ass, hoe ass, punk oh, ass, gosh. bitch. Uh, she's she's the worst. She is garbage. I do not like this this bitch at all. Oh man. Find better shit. To, and she wasn't even in your chain of command. Oh my no. god. <laughs> Jesus fuck. This bitch was going out of her way to be a. Oh, 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 I hate it. I hate yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Yeah, she sounds like one. She sounds like she's a very unattractive lady, and uh, she doesn't get a lot of male interest. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she, sounds, she sounds like she spends a lot of time at home by herself, just thinking of <laughs> shit to do when she leaves the house finally to go to work, because nobody wants to invite her anywhere. She sounds lonely, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man. Her life is devoid of fun. <laughs> and I hope I'm right about all this shit. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so back to these questions. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> hey, if you were conducting this interview from where I'm sitting, um, what questions would you have asked you that I have not asked you? Let's see. Come on, bring it. <laughs> uh, have like, have you found it helpful to have people who didn't look like you? Ooh. Um, in your life, in your, you know, connected in your network of people who mentor and inspire you. Hey, like, <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> have you ever found it helpful or beneficial to have people in your life that did not look like you, uh, assisting you along the way? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, you have. Please elaborate. Yeah, I had a really good lieutenant at my current command. He's not there no more. Um, but... This guy, you know, like it really coming from where I came from, where I saw the dark side of what uh, leadership uh, of white ethnicity, like being white mm-hmm. and being, being a leader could look like. Um, it really sounds like you were afraid to say the word white. Just Yeah. Like. <laughs> okay. So coming from where I had like a white leadership that was rough on me, like in, not in a good way. To somebody who just thought I was incredible and wanted me to do good in anything I said I wanted to do. Like, it was it, it was nice seeing that. Yeah. Um, and it made me trust other white people. Not saying I didn't yeah. fully trust them, but mm-hmm. I just seen what they could do. Yeah. But yeah. I also saw what they could do from him. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he, like, left me with, like, something, like, really really good because he was retiring and I like cried at his retirement and he I told him that if he retired I was going to cry at his retirement so he said good I'm going to make you talk in my retirement so I had to do <laughs> I had to talk at his retirement and I cried most of the time but <laughs> like he gave me a card and he was just like what he said in there like made sense because when I first reported to him um like he was talking to me and I got emotional <laughs> because I was just I was so scary I was like a scared puppy going to these new units you know, I came to his office, I talked to him, and I told him about what I went through, and then he was like, okay, well, that's not me, I'm not, I'm not out here trying to get you. <laughs> He's like, matter of fact, I'm going to make it my business, whatever you say you want to do, we're going to make sure it happens while you're here. I love it. So I was I like, cool, but in, the, in his card that he gave me, he told me to like look at everybody like family when you're helping them as a yeoman or like, period, in the Coast Guard, so... Like, in your family, you have good family. You have people who actually want you to do well. You got the jealous 
family members who like you know you can't tell with them but you know not to trust them because mm-hmm. um, they got some jealousy you got people who are like <laughs> terrible just don't need to be there like you got all types of family members it's the same thing in the coast guard so when you're helping john who hates you <laughs> he's your family so you got to help him That's a you know cousin. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like you just treat them like family look at them like that and then it kind of helps like you know just make you appreciate the person better and you being in your position and be able to help them so it was it was helpful and he he's he was a good guy and then i had a captain who was really really good too but of course he was a captain so there was some politics and stuff influencing some of his decisions but i loved him no matter what um he did look out for me a few times so and then like the 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 white people in your organization or in the coast guard mm-hmm. who feel like who who actually want to be there to learn about you know minority issues and mm-hmm. stuff like there are people like that there that aren't politically politically driven i mean i think if anybody need to have politics it's us okay <laughs> but like um like really need to know it but like um yeah. But yeah, there's some out there that aren't politically driven. They actually care and they want you to succeed and care about these different issues that we bring up. So, but yeah, no, I love that's that. my answer. You, <laughs> it, it's important. That's an important question. It's an important answer. Uh, we are in this branch of service where there's not many of us. Right, right. The army look like that with the baby edges. <laughs> <laughs> They sound fly. I'm a little jealous Even right the now. Air Force was in there. Like, they all had their swag. And then it was just it was just us. And, you know, we got our own type of swag, too. But Really? I mean, it's it's not... It's, okay, I, I can't call it a swag, but but we, we all... All of the branches have their own touch. We practice honesty on this podcast. You, <laughs> you take that headline right now. <laughs> we were definitely different, okay? But, yeah... So it's not many of us. So yeah, you gotta you gotta find your team. You know, even when they don't look like you. That's that's important. <laughs> that's important. And have your distant, uh, you know, maybe, you know, have your distant mentors. Like you might have met somebody in Portsmouth or in DC because that's mm-hmm. where all of us are yeah. mainly. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Get their numbers. Stay connected when you go across the country because more than likely, because we're so small, they know somebody. Who knows somebody who can help you? Right. So. And you're probably gonna run into these people again, anyways. Yeah. Who knew that we were gonna run into each other again? Yeah. That was... I certainly had <laughs> no intentions of memorizing anybody in that class. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was crazy. That was a nice coincidence. It was it, like a I'm sorry, New Year gift. It was. it was. It was in January, I think. I think. Was it? Yeah, I think not this. Well, not recent January, but. When I first saw you at that women's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that women's talk emporium uh, panel thing, yeah, that was cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 <We> um, tried. <laughs> gonna be honest, I uh, I was going through a lot with my chain of command at that time. I was filing EO claims left and right. I look, I needed a reason to not be in the office, and that was a good reason. Yeah. And, and uh, my she's she's a warrant now, uh, but my chief at the time, she felt bad for me because she knew I was catching hell. She was she's a good person. Uh, she 
happily let me go to this little thing, this little uh, panel. Because she knew, I just need to get out of the office. I just need to not be here all the time. Because <laughs> they, go, they go try it again today. So, <laughs> so that worked out twice. I got to get out of the office. And I got to see my friend again. Yeah, man. reconnect. Was, yeah. Wait, so so what were you going through? Because I didn't know we met when we was both going through. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie. <laughs> when I, oh, my God. Um, Wait, was your warrant white or black? Uh, the, the lady that was helping me, like the chief mm-hmm. that got me out of the office, like signed off on me going to this panel. Yeah. Uh, she is actually Latinx. Uh, okay. Uh, Puerto Rican. She's a, she's a warrant officer now. Uh you know, you're glad to see people make it that, that do good by you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It was nice to see her go from chief to senior chief to warrant. It's like, you know what? She's doing good, man. Yeah. Like, I'm glad to see her moving up in rank. She's a nice person. She looked out for like a little uh, low-ranking black, black lady like me. Yeah. Uh, but the other people in the office, uh, the people uh, higher ranking than her, uh, both of them were... Uh, I might as well just say white people. They were white ladies. <laughs> I was trying to think of a, a politically. See, I was trying to too, and then you got on me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, shit, what? And, na- and now it looks like I was afraid to say white, and I wasn't yeah. afraid. I was just trying to d- be cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they was white ladies. All right, yeah. they was white women. Uh, EO claims on both of them. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like like I feel like black guys. I don't want to say they have it easier, but it's just a little different. Yeah, like no, you're right. B- being a female, anyways, like I feel like, for some reason, females in leadership, some of them come harder. Come yeah, harder on no, you. You, that's, that's female not just in you. general. You're but right. then add black on top of that, like it's like oh my gosh. I've like, never had a black lady come down on me. Like, oh no, I haven't had a black female. Um, but well, also, like actually, yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I haven't had her come. She wasn't in my com- command. She just. Just questionable character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, I know not to trust you. Right. <laughs> but luckily you're not in my chain of command. Right. So. One black lady that did, that was in my chain of command, uh, she didn't give me hell. She just like, like, girl, why are you always in my, in my face like this? <laughs> this yeah. is a little unnecessary. You know you like double my rank right now, honey. Do you think she was trying to help you or you think? She was not. Um, there was a situation where um, I got put on a duty uh, involuntarily, of course. It was a brand new duty. Um, and the duty called for, uh, for for the use of cell phones. And fine, I'll do the duty. I'll do whatever I'm told to do. Um, but if it requires extra equipment, if it requires the tools, then my job needs to provide those tools for me. Yeah. So it as, as a yeoman, not once have I ever PCS to a new station and had to provide my own computer and printer. So if you're putting me on this duty that requires the use of a cell phone, if I'm OD, I'm going to have a cell phone. That's not a problem. Right. If I'm JOD, that I'm going to have a cell phone. That's not a problem. But this new uh, duty uh, you're putting me on, fine. If it requires the use of a cell phone, give me a cell phone. <laughs> not you make a command. Make I mean, demands. Oh, oh. Look, that's just common sense. If you yeah. tell a person to do a job, provide the tools that that person needs to do that job. Yeah. So I asked for a phone, and she got a little pissy. I was like, "Yo, I didn't even ask to be on this uh, uh, on this duty. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody asked to be on any duty. Yeah. But if you're gonna put me on it, provide the tools that uh, you're requiring. I use. So she got mad that I was asking that I had the audacity to ask for a cell phone. Uh, end of the story, I get my cell phone. Because, of course, <laughs> like, 
I'm making very good points. Yeah. I'm not making outlandish demands here. Uh, and I'm thinking the whole time, you're lucky I only asked for a cell phone for me instead of sending an email to everybody who was on this duty and saying, hey, I got a cell phone because it's a requirement for this job. Yeah. Y'all should ask for cell phones too. Like, you're lucky I didn't make a big deal out of it, sweetheart, because I could have gotten uh, 10 cell phones out of y'all instead of just this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've never had to give my myself my personal number out. Right. And I, here's the thing. It was, it was for COVID. Like, I was one of those uh, uh, people that you call or whatever. If you get COVID, uh, I forget what it's called. A tracer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, of course, I don't want to give everybody my fucking number. Like, this, this is not a job requirement. It should not be a job requirement that I give out my personal cell phone number that I am paying the bill on. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so, if you need a cell phone to be used, you're going to have to give me a cell phone. Right. <laughs> that is not a bad demand. That is not an outlandish demand. Yeah, I've never been on duty and had to use my cell. Exactly. Yeah. And why should you? Yeah. So. But that was, that was like the spiciest uh, black lady I ever uh, was up, ever under. And it was just that, that situation that kind of, it, it was, that was too spicy. That, that was the spiciest it ever got for me. <laughs> but every other black lady has been, uh, for the most part, wonderful. I've been under uh, chief warrant officer, uh, Waltina Pitts, lovely lady. I adore her. Uh, any other black lady I've ever met? Open arms. Yeah. Or, yeah. I've had good experiences. Yeah. Are you jealous? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just haven't really connected. I mean, I don't know. I've been making some connections lately, but again, it's through Epic. And they're not local. They're like, you know, in other places. D.C., Maryland. California. I mean, have, but Coast Guard, you yeah, know? Yeah, get yeah. your village wherever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you could say that. I've made connections with, with uh, black females. And one of them actually helped me get this recruiter job. So. Get it. <laughs> Come on. She told me about the thing and told me how to apply for it, everything. Told me on time because it was like a, a fast turnaround, you know? Um, yeah. So... And then, you know, encouraged me. Yeah, so. And you love this job that you're about to get. Oh, this is a dream job. Girl. (laughs) Yeah, so now I'm going to stay. But uh, a couple months ago, yeah, I was about to carry my my ass. She's about to carry her black ass (laughs) out of the military altogether. She was going to do some civilian stuff. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, um, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with? I don't know. I'm a I'm a purpose driven person. Get so it. come on. Like I feel like anything you do, whether it's in the Coast Guard or in the civilian world, just do it with intention. Do it for purposeful reasons, like for your for reasons. I mean, if money is your is your calling or you're driven for that, do it for that. Uh, yeah, and be authentic. Look out for people. Uh, especially people that can't really uh, protect themselves. Yeah, and like bestow that wisdom that you learned from being in for so long, the different strategies and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to help other people. Like, you don't have to do it, you know, in front of people, because I know some people might feel weird about helping another sister out, <laughs> maybe in front of white people. Because I feel like that, that might be a thing. But, like, y'all can do it behind closed doors. <laughs> you know, pass people a piece of paper. Like, hey, here's my number. <laughs> I mean, I think the culture is getting getting better. 
But like, you know, for people who are worried about different things, you know, with their career, still protecting themselves, do it in a way that you can that, that makes you feel comfortable, but still try to help some, you know, help somebody who you see struggling. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I would like to thank you for welcoming me into your home and your time and your schedule. I appreciate uh, you sitting down and talking to, with me. This was informative, entertaining, and I just loved it. I just love talking to you anyways. And that concludes our first episode of the Season Vet Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And a special thank you to the phenomenal Coast Guard sister that made this interview possible. Now, if you are or if you know a Black Lady veteran who would like to sit down with me and be a part of the show, please email me at theseasonvetpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call or text message me at 713-254-0970. You can also find, follow, and inbox me, the season vet, across all platforms of social media. I'm at Real Season Vet on Twitter, at Season Vet Podcast on Instagram, at Season Vet Podcast on TikTok, at Season Vet on YouTube. On Facebook, I'm Season Vet. Y'all, I'm so out there, I'm even on Spoutable. That's at the Season Vet on Spoutable. Now, if you like what you heard, please like it, share it, rate it, and leave a good review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And if you're listening to this episode on the day that it drops, happy Juneteenth. Thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, fall out.